This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We have a big show for you in store because it has been anticipated. We got the NFL draft next week. We've been talking about this forever. We've been doing a lot of mock drafts. We've been doing a lot of Carolina Panther segments. And now, next week, when we join you Friday o'clock at 4 for Out of Pocket and Michael Davis, it's going to be settled. We're going to know who the number one overall pick is. And so I brought a couple guys in. I brought a Carolina Panthers fan in, and I brought a non-Panthers fan in just to figure out what we're doing. And so I want to welcome in my guest. First, you've known him. He's been on Drop the Mic. He's been on Out of Pocket. It's your boy, Shan Smith. Shannon, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. Ready to talk about some football. I'm ready to talk about some football, too. And now, I wanted to mention, I had a guest on the show last week by the name of Carson Williams. And I had an opportunity, kind of impromptu, if you will, to go and speak to one of my old professor's classes, Carlos Montero, up at App State, and just talking to broadcasting students that were in my shoes two or three years ago. And so I brought Carson in, had a great response to him being on the show, talking Duke basketball with Dustin Shu. You can go watch that episode on the YouTube for Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel. And so I was like, you know what? I got to get this guy in. And my guest here is Aaron Schneider. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing doing amazing, man. Really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Aaron and I actually talked about sports for a full hour uh, right before I ended up talking to his class. And I was like, man, you really know your stuff. Maybe I should get you on the radio. So here he is for his first radio appearance. He's a junior at App State. So the broadcasting world is going to be calling. And what else is going to be ringing is the phone line. Once the Carolina Panthers select the number one overall pick, by this time next week, it's all going to be sold. Is it Bryce Young? Is it CJ Stroud? Is it the mayonnaise monster, as Cody Lashney said last week, Will Levis? Is it Andy Richardson? Like, or is it going to be a defensive player and everybody's been swerved this whole time? It's probably quarterback. And I wanted to pose this to you guys. And I'm going to start with Aaron. You have two minutes. You're in the room with Scott Fitterer, David Tepper, Josh McCown, Frank Wright, and you have to sell these four men on who they are trusting their franchise with. Who are you selecting number one overall? Aaron? Um, I got to go C.J. Stroud. I know Young's looking like the betting favorite. He's He's got a lot of good things, but I got to go with my guy Stroud. He's been, been the guy I've wanted since that Georgia game. That's what – that's what really solidified Stroud in my mind was that performance against Georgia, who's littered with NFL talent at defense to play that game that close. Some people didn't even think Ohio State should have been there. And to push you no know, future national champs to the brink was very impressive. Now, that's very interesting that you say that on out pocket because, Aaron, I kind of consider that an out pocket take right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give too much away from me. Shannon, are, are you taking C.J. Stroud number one overall? 
I want to make a big push for Bryce Young, but a part of me cannot. So I got to go C.J. Stroud as well, too. But this is why. Because Alabama plays in a very strong SEC conference. And, you know, I've heard so much about SEC quarterbacks, Alabama quarterbacks at that. The only Alabama quarterback that's actually been doing it. And you got two in the league right now that are actually doing it. Two has got a chance to further his career if he stays healthy. Jalen Hurts, even though Jalen Hurts played the one year away from Alabama, he's done really, really well. <clears throat> he's doing well in the NFL right now. But I really don't see a lot of Alabama quarterbacks being tailor-fitted for the NFL. Is Bryce Young an exception to that rule? He probably could be. But C.J. Stroud, to me, looks the most pro-ready. If you watched him in conference play this year, um, inside of the conference, inside the conference play, especially the Michigan game was a big game as well, too. They were very, very strong in their Big Ten play. Now, they were one field goal away from playing in the national championship, and they probably would have murdered. They would have murdered TCU probably about as much as Georgia would have, but they would have been a better They'd have been a better fit in that national championship game. They would have been a better fit. They would have probably matched up better with Georgia than TCU did because TCU just went in there and just got destroyed. Georgia was in the league of their own anyway in their own right. But C.J. Stroud, to me, when it comes down to stepping up in that pocket being big, not not a knock to Bryce Young's height, but the fact that C.J. Uh, Stroud is – bigger stronger i think he has more potential about him i think he's been in more of a pro ready system i just i i really don't see why you wouldn't take him i i don't <laughs> i haven't done this in a really long time shan this actually might be the first time i've said it to you you guys are both out of pocket right now <laughs> and you're on michael davis show so let me break it down for you okay i I, I'm kind of stunned because the momentum is going in Bryce Young's favor. Okay. CJ Shroud, yeah, he has the size, he has the tools. But Shan, you said an Alabama quarterback usually doesn't make it. When's the last Ohio State quarterback that's made it in the NFL? You got Terrell Pryor, you got Cardell Jones. I mean, <laughs> I, the list could go on and on. I'm not sold still on Justin Fields. I'm sure if they had a chance to trade for Lamar Jackson, they'd do that in a heartbeat. I still, I still am hoping and praying that that trade falls through. Um, but also with Bryce Young, he's so intelligent. His IQ score, you know, his processing rate, it's it's higher. It's one of the highest scores we've ever had in terms of the prolific tests that quarterbacks take before the NFL draft. Now, and, with that being said, also too, with that being said, also too, Mike. Though I, I get what you're saying about the Ohio State quarterbacks not panning out in the league as well either. I get that right there. I understand it. But you also got to look at this as well, too. Bryce Young is smart. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he is. He had a very smart coach in Nick Saban. But you also have to look at this as well, too. That offense that Carolina has got, you know, the quarterback that they're going to draft is probably going to be their quarterback leading them into the future. I'm not saying that Bryce Young can't get it done. I'm not saying that Bryce Young cannot get it done. But it's just that, you know, when – you have someone like C.J. Stroud that looks like he is the most pro-ready. He might 
might break that mold. He might honestly break it. I, I see that. He has a chance to grow with that offense. That that offense, whoever they whoever they pick at quarterback, is going to have to grow with this offense. I think that you know you build more pieces around CJ Stroud. I think that CJ Stroud will probably be a guy that you want to build around because you gotta you you're basically getting a new offense. You're getting you know, a new coach, a new offense. I mean, why not? I mean, both of these guys you can make a case for, but CJ Stroud to me, I think he's the guy. I think he's it. That's a really out-of-pocket take by you guys. I don't like that. But, and, <laughs> and, and I talked about this on the Cat Cave this past week, and Aaron, you and I were talking backstage before we went on air this afternoon. It It's pretty cool because we got to watch Josh McCown break down Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, and he said C.J. Stroud has tendencies of like not holding the ball with two hands that can be coachable, but it's really hard, and the only knock – on Bryce Young so far has been, you know, his size. But Josh McCown even said it's not about the size or the height. It's about the strength he plays with. And I know they'll probably run RPO offense. You know, you mentioned, Shan, the new offense they're taking. But, Aaron, like, are, are you are you really sold on C.J. Stroud being the future of the Panthers? I'm honestly completely sold on him a- if they take Bryce Young too, I think that'll be great. Uh, both the guys have phenomenal potential to succeed in the league, but I really am sold on Stroud. I think, you know, you mentioned Bryce Young's IQ, and yeah, he has a ridiculous IQ, but that's not to say that Stroud isn't also a very intelligent quarterback as well. You know, he had minimal, minimal interceptions in college, you know, super productive high completion percentage, and probably is. You know, he played great against Michigan, had a couple interceptions, but, I mean, I feel like that's just an outlier game for him. He's still a super intelligent QB, though, maybe not at the same level that Bryce Young is. But you know Michigan's going to turn it on in the rivalry game right there. You know that oh, they're going to turn it on. That, I mean, that's, that's, one my the hardest, that's one of the hardest rivalries in, in college football right there. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Michigan guy, so pay close attention to that. It says it says something if the Michigan guy's picking an Ohio State guy oh, I, to lead his Panthers rough. team. That's rough, man. That's rough. it. Feels I, weird. I was fully prepared to be the only person defending Stroud too, but wow, I was I was prepared for you to do that too. Now it, it's obvious one of these guys are going number one, and we can't overlook who's going number two because I wanted to bring this up to you guys. Uh, my dad actually sent me this article. And it kind of broke down every quarterback who's ever been selected with the number two overall pick. And the best names on this list are Archie Manning back in 1971 and Donovan McNabb back in 99. And let me just bring up the guys who have been drafted since Archie at number two overall at quarterback. You have Burt Jones from LSU. You have Rick Mirror from Notre Dame. You have Ryan Leaf in 1998. And then you got RG3 in 2012, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky. That's not even including Zach Wilson. I mean, there is a curse going on at quarterback. And, Shan, you mentioned they're going into a new offense. Panthers, they're not a traditional number one overall picking team. Houston Texans are pretty bad. They they are the second worst, if not the worst team in the NFL and they're going into a bad situation. So I want to start off with you, Shannon. Like, 
are the are the Texans taking a quarterback at number two? And can that quarterback actually break this curse going on right now? Well, you also got to understand this as well, too. With some of those guys that you've bought up, most of those guys have went into dumpster fires, basically. Um, RG3 actually was gaining momentum with that Washington squad at one point in time. Marcus Mariota, I don't think, was uh, was playing in a very unorthodox offense when he went to Tennessee. And, and you just had to bring up Ryan Leaf. Oh, my God. I, that's another story for another time. I'll tell you that after we finish taping. But most of those guys went into big dumpster fires. Um, and they were very promising players. Like, you know, they weren't – it wasn't like they were mediocre players. I mean, poor uh, Rick Meyer, he went to uh, Seattle – and Seattle was very much a dumpster fire at that time. But it, it doesn't matter who Houston picks. Houston is more or less – they need everything. Houston needs everything. They're still recovering from the uh, Deshaun Watson thing, recovering from trading D-Hop. It, it, there's so much there that needs to be built and a quarterback or whoever they draft – that's just – that's like tearing a page out of war and peace. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. It feels like to me if they don't – if they put a quarterback in that situation or a system, they're not going to succeed right away and they'll be a bust, which Absolutely. could help my uh, C.J. Stroud argument <laughs> sooner or later. Aaron, <laughs> if, if you're the Texas GM, are you taking somebody at another position second overall or are you I think taking a swing on these guys? I think what they got to do is take, you know, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, one of those two, you know, game breakers on the defensive line, you know, instant impact players, or they trade down with a team like Indianapolis that might want to move up and take a quarterback, get some extra picks because, you know, Houston has holes on their entire roster. They need literally every position. So, you know, either going like Jalen Carter or trading back to four with Indy would be the move that I'd make. That'd be interesting. That would be Houston trading with rival Indianapolis Colts. So it, it's it's a gamble for both sides, whether you're putting picks in Houston's hand or you're putting the next Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck potentially, or you're probably putting the next Carson Wentz or Marcus Mariota in that place. But the, it'll be interesting to see all of this talk that we've been building up the last two months ever since the Carolina Panthers trade up to number one overall. It's going to be over next week. We're going to go on air, out of pocket, 4 o'clock next Friday, and we're going to talk, did the Panthers make the right decision? Because we will finally know who is leading the Carolina Panthers organization. And I'll be talking a little bit more about the draft. we got a little bit more talk coming up. We'll have the Cat K podcast before the NFL draft. That usually releases on Tuesday or Wednesday. So I host that with Ryan Frick, the host of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. So if you have not yet, go subscribe to the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. We got to get into a break here on Out Pocket. When we come back, we're going to have more NFL draft talk. We're going to have Jalen Hurts contract talk because Jalen Hurts re-signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll have Eagles fans John Cox and Long John podcast host Joseph Camperman on the show. And Aaron, it was great having you on the show today. We got to do this again sometime, especially when we know that Bryce Young went number one overall. 
And Shannon, I know we got to get you back later on in the show to talk some hoops, talk some NBA playoffs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go take care of Maslow's real quick. Uh, this is Out of Pocket, and we'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. And the NFL drafts next week, but before we even get back on air, the first round's already out of the way. And thank you so much for my Panther Roundtable hopping on and do it, doing their final plea for either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And we got to talk about the rest of the NFL because some big news came on this week. And I've started to regret my guest selection, but I've had these guys on the show before. They never let me down. Uh, first, we got regular John Cox. John, how are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you back on. And then we have the host of the Long John podcast. If you have not listened, if you're not following his social media, he does really good news updates, even though he's a Philly guy. It's Joseph Camperman. Joseph, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I know this is my second time on here, and I always like to jab at you a little bit with some Eagles jokes, but I'm excited to get into this segment and kick it off. So, Yeah, and, and usually you guys do really good takes. And again, I was questioning my selection about 20 minutes before we hopped on the air today. I'm like, did I really not invite a Cowboys guy to kind of like <laughs> back me up? Or at least somebody who will like go anti- Hurt, so I had to wear a shirt. Okay, beat oh, by Dallas uh, for all our YouTube v- viewers going on right there. John wants this shirt. I'll get it to you, man. Uh, you still got to wear a Cowboys jersey after our bet the, uh, the a couple years ago, but we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but the big news came out this week that Jalen Hurts has reached an extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. And after leading your team to the Super Bowl, I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think about the deal? Because it is a lot of money at quarterback. That's where we're headed in this league. Joseph, I'll start with you. What do you think about the Hurts extension? So we knew it was coming. The question of not was if, it was more like when. Um, I was obviously, I'm ecstatic as a fan to lock him down. I, I said, you know, many times, and I'll continue to say, there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that I would really rather ahead of Hertz right now. Now that could change in a couple of years, but my whole thing with this contract is I wanted it to get done before Burrow, before Herbert, and before Lamar, and maybe Tua. I know how this works. The truth is the best quarterback on the market who is available on the market is typically not always the best quarterback in the NFL, but they sign the biggest contract. And then we obviously see that. Um, by this contract. I think one of the things that stood out to me the most was, and I've said this, I think I may have said this on my, the previous show that I was with you on, but I've said this to a couple of other fans. I knew they were going to go for backloaded contract. And uh, Adam Schefter released the numbers uh, two days ago on what that contract was looking like. And I don't know if you want me to run through numbers, but I can give you a brief idea of what the four years look like. First four years. It's yeah. pretty fascinating. He makes 6.15 million this year. next year, 21.77 the following year, and 31.77 the year after. So 
for the first four of the six years, the Eagles are in a great spot from a cap perspective. And from a fan's perspective, I could sit here and compare to what Daniel Jones, both of our favorite quarterbacks in the NFC East, um, I could compare it to what he's making. But to just put it in perspective, two years from now, Daniel Jones is going to be making above $40 million in cap space compared to Jalen Hurts 21. So to say I'm excited from a fan's perspective would be a lie. I mean, it would not be a lie. Um, I'm really happy, and I'm also happy the way the contract structure's out. I know it's going to bite us in the butt in years five and six, but but then I expect the cap space to be pretty um, a lot higher. So, Joseph brought out the numbers and breaking down what it's going to be year to year. I don't know how accurate that is because two fifty five million is the number over five so, years. Correct, hundred seventy nine guaranteed. Yep. This is Adam Schefter reporting, so these are not my numbers. I'm not going to claim they they are. What I will say is is that some of this isn't gu- is guaranteed money. Um, his caps hits in 26, I mean tw- 27 and 28 are probably upwards of 55 million. Um, and as far as the whole 255 million guaranteed, I don't know how that's spread out. I know that obviously 110 million is guaranteed on day one, but it would be spread out over the period of a few years. I think these are baseline cap hit numbers. But it still gives you a good idea of what what they did from a back ended contract, back loaded contract, similar to the Patrick Mahomes contract, where on years five and six they can start extending you and spreading out that guaranteed money. Now, John, after this whole numbers breakdown, are you feeling better or worse about re-signing Hertz when you did? Yeah, I feel good. Um, you know, we kind of touched on it, but uh, whenever you're signing a franchise quarterback to a new contract, you're going to reset the market. Um, so it's good to get it done uh, before Bill Herbert, uh, maybe before Lamar Jackson as well. Um, you know, this this isn't the biggest contract we're going to see. It's the biggest contract until it isn't. Uh, exactly. Um, you know, we kind of went through the same thing with Carson Wentz when they gave him a bunch of guaranteed money. Um, hopefully that's not going in the same direction um, as the Carson Wentz deal. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of money, but the cap space – will increase other quarterbacks will ask for bigger deals um so i'm sure this will look like a steal in the future um i wish it could have been a little bit longer than five years um but i understand the Damn. thinking of course um going but uh it's it's exciting um you know we touched on the numbers they're very low we've got some guys that are in line for some extensions um you know we've got um uh some receivers we've got to resign and and uh so um, I'm excited to see what this team is. Um, you know, we also got to address the defense, but yeah, I'm in the building for five more years. Yep. Now, a lot of people aren't saying this is a bad deal. And I'm not going to hop on, even as a Cowboys fan, and say, you know, you shouldn't lock down your quarterback. But when you look at other teams and what's happening to the Rams, for example, once yep. you get everybody under contract, Stafford has his big deal, and then you're like, in a couple years, you haven't won a Super Bowl, and you're just trying to get back underneath the cap. Eagles yep. have a really good general manager, but when John, when you were mentioning those receivers that you got to resign, you got to resign players on the defense and not let any of those guys walk. I'm talking about your front seven because they're yep. really, really good. That's my only concern. I mean, I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm I'm kind of elated if that was the case, but that's my only concern for you Eagles fans is not being able to surround a team around Jalen Hurts in a couple of years. 
And that's where good drafting comes in. I think we can all agree, you know, you can't set the bar and say, we're going to give you $255 million guaranteed, and then we're going to spend the next four years absolutely missing on first-round draft picks. I mean, I'm an Eagles fan, but I realize A.J. Brown is only with us for two more years. And I can tell you right now that they're going to have to make a really, really tough decision in two years on whether they want to keep Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown. Because I can tell you right now, I highly doubt at the age both of these guys are out, that they're going to be able to keep them both. And so it's drafting well. It's do you go out and do you get a guy in the late first round who's a receiver this year? Do you invest in offense? And how do you go from there? Because we also have a really good offensive line we've got to keep intact. And I could name off all the list of players we have, but there's going to be some – it's going to be tough. As an Eagles fan, you're going to have to see guys who you really liked walk, and it's because of cap. So there's there's decisions that are going to have to be made, and that's why I'm glad I'm not the general manager. <laughs> and it's Howie Roseman. Now you touch a little bit on the draft. John and I have released a few episodes where we broke down a mock draft. John, I know we talked a little bit about what you think the team needs. Are you sticking to your guns about a running back, maybe something on defense? Where are you leaning a week ahead of the draft? Yeah. Um, I I think when you're drafting number 10, hopefully we're never sniffing the top 10 draft-wise, You know, especially locking up hurts the way we did. Um, I'm really hoping for a difference maker this draft. Dream scenario, you know, a guy like Jalen Carter falls to us. Um, maybe Christian Gonzalez or Tyree Wilson. Those are absolute, like, pipe dreams. I think it'd be cool to have a, a B. John Robinson. Um, that being said, I don't see Harry Roseman um, using this kind of capital to draft the running back. Um, number 10 overall. Um Hopefully, it's it's one of those pieces on the defense that are either impact players or can be stars in the future, like Christian Gonzalez or Jalen Carter. Um, if it if it can't be one of those guys, I'm hoping we just trade back, um, you know, four or five spots. You know, don't reach. Um, you know, I've heard some noise this week about you know a guy like Lucas Van Ness. I think that would yep. be kind of a poor use of capitals. You know, trade back. Um, let your guy fall to you, get some stuff for next year. Um, or, you know, we have a lot of picks next year. Why not get crazy with it? Move up to, with a, with a team like the Lions at six, um, who, whose guy might be there later as well. Um, it just depends on, on how the chips fall, but, um, I'm hoping for a, a defensive blue chip would be my job. Well, Joseph, you agree on that one defense? Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing defense for a while. Look, I love Bijan Robinson, and it's not a knock to who he is as a person. The difficult part that the Eagles are going to have to make is do they go with a guy who has character issues like Jalen Carter? You know, there's been rumors that Jordan Davis has kept him in line in college. The Eagles happen to have Jordan Davis. Um, I would love to see them pair up again. The Eagles have a needed defensive line. I'm going to tell you right now because I know the way that we have to draft in the future. I would say if I were the general manager of the Eagles, I would probably agree with John's comment. I'd trade back to about pick 14, accumulate maybe a third or fourth round pick. You're going to make, who knows, depending on how desperate the team is, maybe you can get a second. Um, and I'd pick a guy like Kalijah Kansi out of um, out of Pittsburgh. He's a defensive lineman. He's getting Aaron Donald comps. I think that's foolish because he's not taking a snap in the NFL, but I think he's really, really talented. I think because he's a probably better from a personality standpoint than Jalen Carter, I'd rather him on my team. However, if the Jalen Carter issue is not as big as the media is making it, which I'm starting to think it's not because I still think he's not slipping out of the top 10 when a lot of people thought he could really slide, I would be fine trading up and using like one of our seconds from next year to trade up and get a guy like Jalen Carter. 
Um, I'm going full defensive here. I, I, I want full defense. I'm saying as much as I would, I don't want to go outside a defensive line. And I know that's crazy, but unless we trade back up back in the first round and we get like a, maybe a guard like Peter, Peter Skaronsky, if he slides, I would rather stay at our pick or trade back and pick a guy from defense alignment. A few guys on my list are Nolan Smith. I like him. I think he could be a future Hassan Reddick. I think he could also be overhyped. Lucas Van Ness, Depends on whether he fleshes out, but Nolan Smith and Kalaj Jagansi are my two picks. I just think they're slightly too high at that pick 10, so I'd rather trade back. Now, we, we've we've talked a lot about the Panthers last segment. We talked about a lot about the Eagles this segment just because the Eagles are, you know, they have the Jalen Hurts extension. They have two first-round picks. They just got to the Super Bowl. But let's look at the rest of the league. There's 30 other teams, and – John, if you had to narrow one team that needed a really good draft and could dictate a lot of jobs, you know, whether you keep your job or lose your job as someone in the front office, what team needs to boom this next weekend? That's an interesting question. I think part of that is because that so many of the teams in the top five are not selecting with their own pick um and have new coaching staffs as well so like you see the panthers they just rebuilt their staff they're not really going to like fire a bunch of people if they miss um you look at houston they just got a new uh, new head coach i believe a new gm they're not going to fire everybody if they miss the cardinals just got a new coach um you know the colts they just got a new coach um seattle is picking with denver's pick detroit's picking with the rams so it's tough um it's tough to say you know who needs to go out and really nail it um, maybe Chicago, um, just because of how, uh, depleted they are talent wise. Um, and you know, the situation they have with Justin Fields, um, it could be a make or break year for them. Um, you need to figure out what you have in Justin Fields. Um, you need to surround him with talent. You need to address a lot of positions, um, on the football field for them. Um, so I think, I think we could look at, at Chicago as one. Um, as a sleeper pick, I think it could be inside the NFC East. Um, I think it could be Washington um, Commanders, um, you know, kind of middling for the past couple of years with Ron Rivera. Um, new ownership coming in. You know, we see it all the time in sports franchises. Uh, a new owner buys uh, any sports team. They want to go out. They want to make a splash and they want to win like immediately. Um, we saw it with the Suns trading for KD coming in and saying, get Mikael Bridges for Kevin Durant. What are we doing here? Um, you know, we see it with the Panthers bringing in a new coaching staff and trading up from nine all the way up to one. So they have their pick of their guy for Frank Reich. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's either up to, uh, Chicago just because of how, you know, depleted of talent they are or Washington because of the fact that, you know, it's kind of going to be a new, you know, a bunch of new billionaire owners who want to show off their shiny toy. Um, I think it'll be one of those two teams. Joseph, we have about 30 seconds before we got in get into a break is there a team that sticks out to you that needs to have a big weekend absolutely it's the minnesota vikings and the minnesota vikings only um i think that right now they're sitting on a very very interesting situation where they've got to make a decision on whether they commit to kirk cousins for the future and i think they're going to plan on trying to surround him one more year i think he's already surrounded by a talented team if the vikings miss it i'm going to tell you right now it blows up entirely they fire their coach and they fire their qb and i'm calling it right now so there you go there's my out of pocket <laughs> Take. Wow. And maybe trade Justin Jefferson. Who knows? Hey, who knows at this point? <laughs> hey, we saw the Texans 
trade away DeAndre Hopkins. You, we've yes, we've seen those big trades before. We've even seen the Vikings trade away Stephon Diggs of all yes, of all sir. people. Yep. But yeah, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, by the time we're back next Friday, the first round's already going to be done. The first overall pick, the Eagles picking twice, the Cowboys. Who knows what they do? I'm hoping for a running back. I'm hoping for somebody on defense throughout the weekend. I don't, I don't know B. John Robinson, but if he's there, it's kind of hard to not take him. Yeah, but absolutely. We got to get into a break. And when we come back, we're talking some hoops because it's NBA playoffs. And the hot button topic right now is Draymond Green, Demise Sabonis, who was guilty after that pro wrestling match on the basketball court. But we will be back after the break on Out Pocket. Welcome back to Al Paco and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. You recognized him in the opening segment. We got Shannon Smith back on the show. He had to take a little Maslow's needs. Shannon, I've already asked you, but you you relieved and you're good to go for this basketball segment? Oh, man, you know I like my basketball with a side of basketball. <laughs> basketball with the side of basketball. Now, we also have a first-time guest on the show. If you work it with me at my other job, you kind of recognize this guy. He has a lot of cool jerseys. It's Mr. Isaac Black. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just happy to be here. Yeah. What jersey you got on today? I got the Bill Russell USF throwback jersey Ooh. on. That's my boy. Yeah. Let's go. Now, if, if you're recognizing Isaac's voice and you're listening on WWBG, it is not his brother, Ian Black, who we've also had on the show. One of these days, I'm going to get both of you on at the time, if you're okay with that. I just hope I can be as eloquent as he is. <laughs> ah, sure, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Ian's probably watching this. He's like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> now, what made me turn my head is, I'll be honest, you know, I just got off my other job and I'm casually watching basketball earlier this week and, you know, kind of have the volume at a pretty low level. And then all of a sudden I look and I see Draymond Green like hyping up the crowd and being like, let's go, like, give me what you got. I'm like, what just happened? So I rewind and I see where Sabonis is on the ground for the Kings and he grabs Draymond's leg. Draymond full on stone cold stomps a mud hole and Sabonis. And then Draymond's getting suspended. He missed last night's game, the Kings and Warriors. And I just I just wanted to ask you guys first. Isaac, it's your first time on the show. Was there a guilty party or were both were both guys in the wrong for this altercation on the court? Um, I, I would say I think both of them do share some blame in, in the incident. I'm a maniac, and so I watched this video seriously a thousand times. And then the local broadcast released their video with their angle. And I've watched it, and I've gone back and forth. I've been like, oh, Draymond's the worst. Oh, that was also Bonus's fault. And now I feel like I've kind of settled into feeling like they both played a part in it. I think overall during that game, Sabonis was definitely – 
taking some some cheap shots and doing some dirty things. Um, but you know, I, I think in that moment he said that he was trying to cover his face, and I do think that's true. But he used grabbing his face to grab Draymond, Draymond's leg, you know. Um, and then with Draymond, you know, I think the thing that that really like had me hung up was when you watch it in slow motion, the stomp was two motions. It was a kick up so that he could get his leg free. And then there's a deliberate step down. And, you know, I've had little rascal kids grabbing on my ankles and stuff before. And, you know, <laughs> you can kick forward to, to get them off, you know, to, to get your leg free. But you can't have that second motion stomping down, you know. So I think that's that's where Draymond probably gets a little bit more of the blame. But I, I would say they're both at fault. And for me, it it was the stomp. Yes, it was the stomp. But it was when he, like, he went full heel. I mean, Shan was on the Drop the Mic Wrestling podcast. We talked a little bit about the bad guys this past week. You can watch that video back on the Tobacco Road Sports Raiders YouTube channel. But, like, Draymond Green, like, went full Dominic Mysterio, MJF. Like, he was egging the crowd on. Like, here, let me hear it. Shan, what was your thoughts about this uh, brawl on the court? You know, if it would have been anybody else, it probably wouldn't have been covered as much. But with the fact that it's being Draymond Green, who is this generation's Dennis Rodman, as we, if you would say, if you want to liken him to somebody, he would probably be this generation's Dennis Rodman. And if it would, but it's him, he's going to get the coverage. Of course, he's going to get the get the crap thrown at him. Oh, you're you're a dirty player. You're the bad guy, this, that, and the third. Because, you know, let's look at Draymond Green's track record. You know, he hasn't got the most clean track record of anybody in the league in the past five to ten years and some of the antics that he's had. Um, he's going to bear a lot of blame for this. He's probably going to blame get more blame than Sabonis is, even though he is not innocent either. He, he's not innocent in his own right. He did egg it on. There was some jawing between him and Draymond. If you watch that game, there was a lot going on between the two. You could tell that the tension was building. And this was a moment where it hit the fan. So to me, my make of it is, and didn't nobody win. And, you know, Sabonis kind of got his uh, just desserts when, Draymond took that boot <laughs> and put it down on him. So he kind of got his just desserts. I mean, Draymond got his suspension. Okay. Suspending him? Yes. You know, you should. But, you know, you can't let Sabonis' actions go unpunished. And did. He didn't get ejected. He didn't get suspended. Isaac, should he have been? Sabonis? No, I don't think he should have been suspended. But to be fair, I don't think that Draymond should have been suspended either. I think that with the timing of it being in the playoffs, I I don't think it really made any sense because, you know, like when you look up the rules in the NBA, he was assessed a flagrant two foul, flagrant two foul is an ejection. And he, he received his punishment, his team lost the game. And so I kind of just thought that should have been the punishment. You know, I think, you know, thinking back to when he had that incident in the 2016 finals with LeBron and the, the groin punch, um, you know, in that situation, that was because he, he got suspended because he had reached his technical foul limit for the playoffs. And 
I think if it had been that situation, obviously it would have made sense, but you have these rules and these structures in place to like, you know, punish them appropriately in the moment. And I think they did that. And so I don't really see why it went further than that. And then with Sabonis, you know, he was assessed a technical foul. I think some people could have argued it was a flagrant one because it was like a non-basketball unnecessary contact. But, you know, I, I think in the moment, maybe they could have made a flagrant one, but I don't think either player should have been suspended, honestly. No. Now, and, and Chen mentioned this. He's like, it wasn't a big deal until it's like who it was. It was Draymond Green. We have a track record of this. And for me personally, in the playoffs – isn't a excuse to not suspend them. It's an excuse to be on your best behavior. And when everybody's attention is on this game, because it's Warriors Kings, Warriors actually have a chance of being ousted this series by the Kings. And the fact that Draymond Green is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to step on you on a tight game, you know, risk getting suspended, risk getting ejected from this game. I mean, it to me, Draymond should have been a lot more responsible with how he's handling this because people are missing the playoffs because of injuries, not necessarily suspensions. And if you're one of these guys who wants a big contract and wants to remain in the league, Draymond, you got, you got to be on your best behavior. And some people, like I said, are missing games with injuries. You got the Milwaukee Bucks missing Giannis Antetokounmpo. You got my Miami Heat missing Tyler Hero. It didn't look too good the other night when both those guys were off the floor. Miami got ousted. It was, it was rough. And the Grizzlies actually beat the Lakers without Ja Morant. I mean, like, Isaac, when you look at these guys – could you see the Grizzlies or Bucks making it far in a series or far in the playoffs without their star players? You know, I think it's interesting. I think they're both in a little bit of different situations. They're both clearly proving the Ewing theory that you can, you know, not have your best player for a short amount of time and be fine. I think short term, I think it's really good for the Bucks because I think the the role players were kind of in this funk and they just needed a game to step up. And I really think that they they did that. I don't think that they could win more than this series without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, <clears throat> it just does not seem very realistic for something uh, for for someone who who has such a high usage rate is so impactful on the defensive end. He's all in guarding like small guys, big guys, whatever it is. So I just don't I don't see that for them. They could probably win this series, but after that, I don't really see it. Sorry, Michael. Um, but with the Grizzlies, it's really interesting because, you know, there's that whole thing these last couple of years about how they play better without John Morant. Their on-off is better. Their record is, is better for certain stints without John Morant. And so it's tough because I don't think that it's, it's long-term sustainable because they don't have somebody um, outside of Desmond Bain who can really create a shot for himself and for other people. But... I will say, I really think that Tyus Jones, the best backup point guard in the NBA, is really hang, helping them hang on. Um, he's such a steadying presence. He scores when he needs to. Um, he really like comes through in a lot of those big moments. So, honestly, it's weird to say, but I think I could see the Grizz holding on longer without their star than the Bucks. Now, and Isaac's going to you know, get weird like flashbacks from this, but I actually traded – for Tyus Jones on my 2K team. And I know Isaac's lost to me a lot in 2K. Uh, 
a lot of times. <laughs> I, I wish. Um, Isaac's actually pretty good at 2K. Um, but thank you for giving credit to a Duke guy, Tyus Jones. I know Shannon didn't like hearing that. But Shannon, th this this league's a star-driven league. You, you can win a Super Bowl without stars, but NBA teams make or break it with stars on the court, and especially in the playoffs. I mean, Milwaukee and Memphis could be in the NBA Finals if they have Giannis or Ja. Giannis is a can't-miss player. I mean, now, mind you, I do agree. I do agree. If uh, Milwaukee can get past Miami without Giannis, Brooke Lopez showed up very well playing in the post last night. They got a big push from Chris Middleton. They played inside outside. It was it was uh, too much for Miami. Now I've got my own feelings about John Morant, and that's another story for another time because it has nothing to do with this with this podcast with this subject here it has nothing to do with it i'll talk about that later but the more that memphis has played without him the better they seem they're more fluid on offense they're more uh fluid on defense they more or less out rebounded the lakers in the second half and that's exactly what got them to win is the fact that they were more aggressive on the boards and it was hard for the Lakers to come back. They got key shots. They were fluid on offense. They were up and down the court. They matched the Lakers defensively and offensively, and it was just too much. And that last two minutes told the story of how Memphis did. I honestly believe a player like John Morant is pretty much a dime a dozen in the in the NBA. I really think that he is. Yes, he's very wonderful on the offensive end. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is, Memphis is a better squad without him. He was a cancer in the locker room. He was a cancer in the media, and look at how they're playing without him. Now, Giannis, you can't go without that guy if you want to make a push for finals. Giannis is one. Won a finals, won an MVP. He's a proven player. You, you got to have you, man. You got to have Giannis. So let me ask you, because we got about a minute before we got to get out of here. Lakers or Grizz? Shannon, how many games? It'll go six, and the Lakers will win it. Okay. Isaac, was that out of pocket? I'm going to say Grizz in seven. When I saw that that play-in game against the the Timberwolves, I just wrote the Lakers <laughs> off. I hate to say it. They eked that out, and I was like, LeBron just doesn't have enough gas in the tank, and Anthony Davis is their best player at this point, and I think if Anthony Davis is on most teams as their best player, I don't know if you'd be considering them a championship team. <laughs> now, if you ask a particular member on the roster – Austin Reeves is not only the best player on the Lakers, but in the NBA. But that's besides the point. That's probably an out-pocket take by Austin Reeves. But we got to get out of here. It's a great Friday. Uh, again, by the time we're back next week, we'll know who the Carolina Panthers' number one overall pick was. We'll start seeing how some of these series go. Uh, Miami hopefully wins tomorrow night against the Bucks. I'm a little biased there. But Shannon, thanks so much for popping in to open and close the show. Isaac, thank you so much for coming on this week. We're going to get you back on for more playoff basketball if you're up for it. Anytime. 
Thanks for having me. Of course, man. We got to get out of here. It's been Al Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM. We're going to continue our TGI Friday lineup. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel. You can find a lot of our old episodes on there. We got the Cat Cave starting uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday when we'll release the next episode. Hype in the draft. Drop the Mike Wrestling Podcast. Shan was on this past week's episode. And we'll actually be having a mock draft next week. Shan and I are going to be doing a mock draft next Wednesday as part of the Wrestling Wednesday lineup before Raw and SmackDown have their own draft. And I've got a couple of things out on Sports Carolina Monthly regarding CM Punk's return to AEW. You can find all of that stuff. Go to Backer Road Sports Radio's Facebook page, their YouTube channel. And guys, we will see you next week.